Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome to podcast number 169. We're happy to have you with us today, as always. And we are into this wonderful, amazing study from Warren Litzman on Jesus and Paul. This is part number 15, so let's get right in it. Here's Warren. Romans chapter 6. I'm currently on the thought of what it is that brings about the revelation knowledge. It's really the subject of the renewed mind. We'll get to that later, I think. You see, your mind has been used and misused in a number of different ways. Most of you have had two general ways that your mind has been misused. When you were born, naturally, you had a sin nature, and Satan misused your mind, not necessarily with bad outer things, but he misused your mind as to who you was who you was, or let's put it like this, at that time, who you are. He misused you. He misused you by lying to you. John was very clear on that, that that he was the father of liars. And just like God is the father of grace, Satan was the father of liars. And just like grace has expanded our lives, so did the father of lies expand our life. The major way he lied to you was that he lied to you about yourself. Before you were born again, you were constantly lied to by your sin nature that you were all right, you didn't need God, or you didn't need the Bible, or you didn't need Christianity, or you didn't need to get saved. You were lied to. That lie didn't necessarily make you go out and become a drunkard or a drug addict or a licentious person. But what it did, it caused you to form a false identity of yourself in your mind. You thought you were somebody whom you were not. You were not that person at all. And so your first misuse of your mind was from Satan who had caused you and your mind to grow up into a false identity. The saddest thing about that is that even when you're saved and should get a renewed mind and should have a new nature, you still hold on to that old identity. Like you ever say, this is the way I've always been. Scotchmen say that. No Scotchman here, I'm sure. Scotchmen say, "Well, I, I've always been, I've always been stingy. My daddy was stingy, my grandpa was stingy, and I'll always be stingy." See, they've been lied to. A lie was from within. A false conception of themselves was formed. Now, just before we get saved, 
That's really what we're unhappy with, but we don't know what to do about it. Because we're already settled as to who we are. That's who we think we are, at least. And so when we get saved, if we're not careful, we keep that same mind or part of that same mind working. Usually we end up with a confused mind, a commingled mind. But the second misuse of your mind was that right after you were saved, you got involved in religion. You were like the fellow that got saved and everybody told him what it took to stay saved. What he had to do to stay saved now. What he had to do to be a good Christian. Isn't that funny? That somebody's always telling us what we got to do to be a good Christian. How many of you are Dutch? How many Dutch are here tonight? Did anybody ever tell you what to do to be a Dutchman? German? Any Germans here? Anybody ever tell you how to be a German? Well, I know. They didn't have to tell you how to be a German. Or let's go deeper. Anybody ever tell you ladies how to be a woman? There have been a lot that wanted to tell you something, but I mean naturally speaking. What? They didn't have to tell you. That's what you were. I don't have to tell my dog to be a dog. He is a dog. I accept that. So when you had the sin nature in you, that's what you were. When you were born again, you got a whole new nature. But sad to say, we spent the rest of the time after you were born again trying to get into your mind about who you are. What we've tried to do is to make you become what you already are. And that's a hard job. That's why religion has failed in so many places because it's trying to get you to be something you already are. And so all you can do is overextend, overindulge, overwork, trying to be something you already are. So the first misuse of your mind was by Satan, and the second misuse of it was by religion. And now I come along and want to tell you something the Scripture says about your thinking, about your mind. There are times in your walk with God where you're going to do things that are contrary to who you are. And you need to learn to say, that's not me. See? I know a man that loses his temper often, but he's learning now in the renewal of his mind that when that happens, he says to people around him, forgive me, that wasn't me. Well, who was it? That's a part of his old mind, unrenewed, misusing Himself, himself. So your mind's been misused. 
we should learn something. Drug addicts have a misused mind. They have what they call flashbacks. You know what a flashback is? Some of you do. Alcoholics have it. Now I think Christians have it. They have flashbacks in their mind to what they were. They just throw caution to the wind and and uh, if they're not in the grace gospel, they say, well, it don't matter. I'm going to do what I please and later on I'll get right with God again. That's like a Scotchman saying, I'm not Scotchman for a little while. Later on I'll go back and be a Scotchman. See? So he keeps on working on something that he can't improve, he can't do anything about. When you were born again, you were rebirthed. You were a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old thing is passed away, and that's where we are in our next verse now. And you need to get your mind fixed to this new life in Christ. Our text now is in the second knowing in Romans 6. Second knowing is in verse 6. It says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Now, the old man is your old way of doing things. It says it here that henceforth we don't continue to do what we did. So if you want a good definition for the old man, it's your old way of doing things. While we're at it, let's mark another scripture. Go to Ephesians 4. In Ephesians 4 and verse 22, it says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There are three scriptures that deal with the old man. And the old man is not a character with a body. It's a character with a personality, a mind thing. It's a mind thing. In the previous verse, to this, verse 21 says, If you have heard him, Christ, and have been taught by him, Christ, as the truth is in Jesus, then put off your old way of living. What is your former conversation? That's the old way you live. Put off your old way of living because it's corrupt according to deceitful lust. You don't have an old nature. You don't have a sin nature once you're born again. You don't have two natures working in you unless you are a bit insane and have split personalities and all. You don't have two natures. You had a sin nature, you've got a God nature now, and you never had a human nature. Nowhere in the Bible does there any is there any truth for a human nature? What you had was a mind. Now mark that clearly because that's why Paul keeps coming back to the mind. 
We'll not get into that. We've talked about that before. You notice back another verse here. In verse 20 it says, But you have not so learned Christ. What is this business of being a Christian? It's learning Christ. Where do you learn Christ? Learning, learning, knowing in your mind. It's a mind thing. So he says, If you've heard and been taught the truth as in Jesus, then stop doing what you used to do. Former conversation. Stop living like you used to live. For that's your old man. It's corrupt according to deceitful lust. And be renewed in your mind. This is the believer's responsibility. The old man has been crucified. Romans 6. The old man can be renewed in mind in Ephesians 4. And then you might as well mark Colossians 3. Go to Colossians 3. Verse 9, lie not one to another, seeing you have put off your old man and his deeds, the old way of doing things. Lie. What were they lying about? Well, you need the previous verse. But now you also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, Blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Don't lie one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds. So the old man is your old way of doing things. Now, every one of you have these flashbacks. You have these moments where something you used to do comes about and you are tempted or you do it again going to happen to everybody. It has to do with your mind. Our minds are not perfect. Our minds are where we're being saved. It's the soulish part of us. It is not saved. The soul is not saved in grace. It never will be perfectly saved. It will always be in the process of being saved, Paul says. It is your spirit that's perfectly saved, but your soul is not perfectly saved. It is always being saved. And we're talking about this soulish thing of the way you did things. Now, when Satan was your nature, he used this mind. Now that Christ is in you, he wants to use that mind. But God did not take that mind and wash it clean. He didn't take it and give you a new brain or a new mind. He left the same one there. Why in the world would he do that? Because that's the hardship of the Christian walk. That's the hard part we have in Christianity. Why didn't God give us a new mind? Because that's where the love affair is centered. If he gave you a new mind miraculously, he would have taken away the one thing he needed out of the human being, and that's the human being to make a choice against all odds, 
against all sin, against all failures, and say instead, I choose Christ. Love is a choice. So why do we put off all way of doing things? We have to put it off. And we do it regularly and constantly. It has nothing to do with our salvation. What goes on in your soulish part is not going to affect at all what goes on at the cross. But what it's going to affect is our relationship. Let's see if we can... Make that a little, a little clearer here. Tripartite man. You got Christ in you. Whatever you do in life is not going to affect this part. That spirit, he's been joined to your spirit, you're one. That stands perfect before God. Whatever you do in soul is not going to change this because that's a birthing. And you can't unbirth it. You can't do away with it. It already is. So up here in your soul mind, whatever you do and whatever happens to you is where the crucial aspect of your daily walk is. You have eternal life right here. At any moment, if Jesus should come, you're ready to go. Not because you're right up here in your soulish part, but because on the finished work of Calvary, you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you were rebirthed by the Father. But at any moment, you're ready Regardless here. Well, that's a rough walk. And that's why Paul calls this the old man. Right here is your old man. It's your old way of doing things. It's the part of you you hate to give up. You've got a whole new nature here. New nature, a God nature, but you haven't given it a mind. You've got Christ in you, but he doesn't have a mind. That's why Paul says, let this mind be in you. But you have the mind of Christ. We'll talk about that maybe later. This is your old man. He's used to doing things a certain way. So you get something fixed in your mind. You get something in your mind and you can't get it out. Do you ever see anybody that got something in their mind that was totally wrong, but they couldn't do anything about it? So this is what Paul's talking about. First he says, this old man is crucified with Christ. That's what you've got to get in your mind. That your old man is crucified with Christ. Three things the scripture says happens by that. To know that the old man is crucified with Christ means that this human here will no longer serve sin. Uh-oh. But if you don't know 
that your old way of doing things has been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? Will you come and tell me, well, I just can't help doing that. That's the way I've always been. I'll look you straight in the eye and say you're wrong. That died with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. So don't come tell me, I just can't help doing that. That's just the way I am. That's not so. That's not so. Now, I'm not going to pick on sins here. Because what you think is sin is according to what you know about sin. Best thing James ever said was, if a man knoweth in his mind, if he knoweth to do right and doeth it not to him, it is sin. So what is sin? It's what you know is sin. And when you violate what you know is sin or what you know is not right, then that's sin to you. Now, that's been crucified with Christ. That was dealt with on the cross. God didn't do a halfway put-up job on the cross. Very few believers today could God stand up and say, here is my purpose of the cross, because most of us don't know everything that happened there. So we're learning. We're growing in that. It's grace. The only thing he can do is take the worst of us and stand us up and say, world, here's my grace. I saved them anyhow. Grace. So when the old man is crucified, the text goes on to say that he shouldn't serve sin. Well, if he serves sin, then he's serving a fantasy. He's serving something that isn't real even to him. Why? Because the next line says that everyone that is the old man that is crucified with Christ is freed from sin. He's freed from it. Why would you keep being a slave to a master that doesn't exist? Because you're ignorant. You're ignorant. You're free. You can do what you please, let's say. But you don't know that. You're freed from sin. And that takes us back to an important point. Why do people keep on doing things that are wrong when they're free from it? They don't have to do that anymore. You know what it is? It's that big word, identity. They've got a false identity of themselves and think they can't exist if they don't do what it is they do. That's what breaks up marriages. Oh, how many times I sat and watched people who had a false identity of themselves and it was splitting the home, it was splitting the marriage, making havoc of the kids. It was awful. And the whole thing was a fantasy. Christians I'm talking about. They said, I can't help doing this. She's this, she's that, he's that, he's that, and this. It was all a fantasy. Not any of it was the true person. They didn't know how to deal with the true person because they didn't know who he was. They were dealing with an old man. And if two old men get together as husbands and wives, you're going to have trouble sooner or later. because you've got a perverted situation. And that's exactly what happens to multitudes of marriages and people. 
That's why I try to teach you, husbands, look at your wife and say, I see Jesus in you. And wives, look at the husband. Because you've got to start somewhere with a new creature. You can't just keep living with the pretty little girl you saw, fellas, and oh, how I wanted her, and then after you got her, you didn't know whether you liked her or not. You can't do that. You have to see Jesus. She's a new creation in Christ Jesus. You have to see what the Bible says it is. And if you don't see that, don't come back later and say to the preacher, well, try to straighten out our marriage. You know what I do with these people? I take them back to the cross and ask them, who do you think you are? The old way of doing things is crucified with Christ. That you should not serve sin. And second, you are freed from sin. And the third thing says there that you would live with Christ. That's where revelation knowledge starts. That's where revelation knowledge is. We've got such faulty, false ideas about what a human being is. Psychology gave human beings a human nature. And that's one of the worst wrongs ever done to a human because then we ended up saying, well, that's my nature. No, humanity is not your nature. Sin is your nature. Or Christ is your nature. No such thing as human nature. Do you think that Jesus went to the cross and died for our old way of living, died for our damnic nature that was in us, and then turned around and said, now, every one of you have your own nature and you're going to live it. That means he died for nothing. Of course, I'm on a subject I've probably talked to some of you before about, but you've got to get that settled about who you are. It isn't a human nature. There is no such thing as a human nature. There's a human mind. If God had given humans a nature, then they could not be changed. Now, you know my illustration for that. My wife and I raised some dogs. We raised big dogs, our Great Pyrenees, and they were always killing our ducks or geese or something. So I asked the dog doctor one day, is there anything I can do about this dog killing ducks off my pond? He said, no, said he's got a dog nature. We can't change it. I said, you mean there's nothing we can do with that dog nature? He said, that's right. He said, as long as I have been a veterinarian, I've never seen a dog change that ever killed anything with blood in it. <laughs> Boy, what a lesson that was to me. God couldn't have changed humans if they had a human nature. He didn't give us a human nature. He allowed us to have a sin nature, and the cross was powerful enough to deal with it. And then by the birthing, he put a God nature in us. And the only thing that made 
a difference in these two natures was the mind. The way you think. So revelation knowledge starts when you know something. Knowing this, that our old way of doing things has been crucified with Christ. Knowing this, that our old way of doing things is crucified with Christ. Let's move on to the third knowing. Romans 6, verse 9. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Now we'll read some more verses that go with this. But I've got to comment on this line that says, Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Because we don't have renewed minds as Christians, you know what happens to us? We attempt to kill Jesus every time we get into a fix. What do we do? We come back and say, Jesus, it's not working. I need your help. Help me. If you keep on doing the same thing over and over again and you keep on asking God to help you, you know what you're doing? You're attempting to crucify him again. Now, Paul says that's going to be common among Christians, and he said, I want you to know Jesus dies no more. Scripture said Christ died once. Why did God say that? Because it is that one sacrifice. He doesn't want a Judaistic thing to grip us like it was in the Old Testament that every time a Jew sinned or fell short of God, he had to come back and offer another sacrifice. God wanted to get it fixed that when Jesus died once, you understood it, you got it fixed in your mind, he's not going to die again. You depend on that same sacrifice. Why is it that people just keep on repenting over the same thing rather than trusting the finished work of Jesus? Ah, it's because we feel better when we work a little for our salvation. If God ever got mad, if he ever did, I'm sure he doesn't. He did get angry two or three times, though. But if God ever got mad over a situation, it would be believers who were attempting to earn their righteousness with him. That's why I hate religion. The definition of religion to me is anybody attempting to to please God by anything they do. That's religion. That's man's works. So the scripture said you're not going to kill him again. In other words, he doesn't have a special case for you. When you and I need help, there's not a special deal going on. I'm talking about 
your growth. I'm talking about your relationship with the Father. I'm talking about your salvation. There's not a special deal for you. You know, a lot of people think that. Back in America, we'd be watching television and somebody would say that that hillbilly singer that was singing, oh, if they'd just get saved, look at what a great testimony that would be. And sometimes the hillbilly singer did get saved. And sometimes he did sing for the Lord and in the church. But you know what? God showed me that didn't make a bit of difference to me, to them, who he was, who they were. Why? He has nothing special. We all come the same route. We all go to the same cross. We're all washed in the same blood. And we all, when rebirth, get the same seed, the same one seed from the Father, the same sperm from the same God. No special deals. So he's not going to crucify him again. But you say that in your own heart when you don't claim who you are at the cross. When you don't claim what happened to you at the cross and want God to do something special for you, it's like wanting to kill him again. There's another place where Paul dealt with this. He said he's not going to be crucified again because there seemed to be a problem with believers who are always wanting some sort of a deal from God to where they were a little special that God really understands. I had that when I was a pastor all the time. I had people who were out of order, and they'd look at me and say, well, you just don't understand, but God does. In other words, I've got my life going here, and it's not right. I'm living in sin. You just don't understand, but God really understands my situation. And I'd look them straight in the eye, and I'd say, before long, sooner or later, you're going to have to go to the same cross I've been to. There's not two. There's not a deal for you. Say, well, that don't sound like love to me. No, the love is not in that place. The love's at the cross. That's where you see and feel the love is what he does there. So let's read on. Where are we? We're in verse, we're verse 9, the third knowing. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, for death hath no more dominion over him. Praise God. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Mm. You see that? You see this right here? Christ liveth in me. Galatians 2.20 Christ liveth in me. He's alive in me. But do you know who he lives to? He lives unto God. Try to get it in your mind. He lives unto God. The Christ in you lives unto God. I think we have been taught so much that God wants to do something for us and Jesus is only ready to give us an answer and a miracle at all times. But what he really does, Paul says here, is live unto God. 
so the Christ in me lives unto God. That's how I'm ready to meet the Lord at any time, any place, any moment. Because Jesus is attuned to God and has by that life in me complete righteousness at all times before God. But we've got another verse that goes with this, and this is so important. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Reckoning. Reckoning. What are you to reckon? You're to reckon that you're dead unto sin. What is that? What is reckoning? That's saying it in the head. That's saying it in the mind. I'm dead unto sin. Why am I dead unto sin? The Bible says so. My body says no. It likes to sin. It's a body of sin. It'll sin any time I let it. But I reckon myself dead unto sin. I'm dead to it. I keep the cross ever before me because that's where I died. I died at that cross with Christ and I'm dead unto sin. He's not going to die anymore and death hath no dominion over him. And we can reckon ourselves dead unto sin. And verse 12 says that we're not to let sin reign in our mortal body, that we shall obey it in the lust thereof. You are always going to have body pulls. Body pulls. It's by the body that you want to do certain things. What does it do? Your body down here is constantly sending signals to the mind. Body pulls. That's where lust starts because it's a natural thing in the body. Sexual desire, food desire, entertainment desire, happiness, peace, all these things are like a resident force in your body and they're crying out for the mind. So Paul says to withdraw from these body desires. You know, you, you get to where you do things subconsciously. Let's say you overeat and you're on a diet and you are having a hard time and you pass the refrigerator and before you know it you've reached in there and pulled out a piece of pie. And you're about half eaten it's half eaten, and you think, oh, my goodness, I'm not supposed to be doing this. What was that? That was a body pull. He was really in it before you knew it. That's what he's talking about here. Reckon yourself dead. Let not sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. That's the third knowing. Now, you see, these, these words I'm giving you are words for the mind. Knowing. Knowing that the first knowing was that we've been baptized into his death. Know that. And the second knowing was knowing that our old man 
is crucified with Christ. This third knowing is knowing that Christ being raised from the dead isn't going to die anymore. There's no special need. There's a cross that met every need. That's where you died. Start your thinking there. And then we have the fourth. The fourth knowing is in verse 16. Know ye not, mark the word know, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that you were servants of sin, but have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered you. Now this is where we are. I am giving to you that form of doctrine that brings you into revelation knowledge. helping you to see by what you know who you are. And this doctrine, let's call this revelation knowledge a doctrine, this thing of knowing, knowing what God be thanked that we have been delivered from these false ideas. It says that you were servants of sin, but now that the, from the, uh, obeyed, that you have obeyed from the heart the form of doctrine which was delivered you. Well, we're going to have to stop right here, but we will pick up next week right where we left off with Warren Litzman and this study on Jesus and Paul. Now, don't forget to go to that bookstore of ours and find that Paul book. It's a great addition to this study, and it's one of Warren's best books. Go to our website, christ-life.org, and read all about us. Hit the bookstore tab and find that book. You will not be sorry. It's an amazing book. Well, our thanks to Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does the weekly podcast notes. And the program is produced weekly by Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.